Welcome to the Parent Toolbox podcast from the Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Center. We are a not-for-profit organization helping families with day-to-day parenting ups and downs from expectancy to teen. Thank you so much for joining this Inventive Minds Family Center workshop hosted by myself, Adam Stavis, your youth development mentor and coach. Today's workshop, the topic is 10 tricks to ease the transition of toddler from crib to bed. Inventive Minds Child, Youth and Family Support Center is a not-for-profit organization helping families and children through divorce. Inventive Minds provides parenting courses and mediation for families going through divorce. Inventive Minds helps families by creating parenting plans, child support, spousal support, and asset evaluation. Connect with their therapist and practitioner for day-to-day parenting challenges. They also carry a variety of parenting group support and baby group programs. Uh, To clarify, I am a youth development coach and I am not a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or a master's in social work. If you believe that you or anyone you know needs the help of a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or a master's in social work, do speak with your family doctor, local walk-in clinic, or hospital. Today, we have Julia Lagman. Julia is a certified infant sleep educator. Julia here is also an elementary school teacher and a mom. Her mission is to help others get in touch with both their child's developmental needs and their parenting values so everyone can rest easier. Let's get right into this very interesting topic. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your mission as an infant sleep educator. Okay, so as Adam said, I'm Julia, and I am a certified infant sleep educator. And really what that means is that I'm trained to help parents understand their baby's sleep. So many parents get into parenting without really knowing what sleep is about, what it's going to look like, and really what to expect. So I really want to help parents understand their baby's sleep, how to make gentle changes when things are difficult and things go wrong, while connecting and responding to their child. So I really take an approach that never asks you to leave your child to cry it out alone or to do anything that would cause you to feel uneasy about your your decisions around sleep. Is there an ideal age to transition your child from crib to bed? Yeah, so really it depends on your child. The ideal time would be when your child is verbal. So sometime when they're verbal, because you can discuss the transition with them, but there's really no specific age. So I wouldn't say it's specifically at age two or specifically at age three or specifically at age four. Some families will choose to transition to a bed with a younger toddler. And that just may be because they might be coming from a bed sharing situation and maybe they just want to skip the crib and then go to a bed or maybe they are introducing another sibling to the family and it's the right time to give up the crib to another sibling. So it really kind of depends on the needs of the family. But if you are doing it with a fairly young toddler, you just want to make sure that the room is baby proofed. And so essentially you would view the room like the crib. So typically we have our cribs fairly baby proofed. We make sure that there's no suffocation hazards, um, anything that would cause danger. And so you would just want to make sure that you baby proof the whole room in that same way so that if a young, very young child is in their bed and they can get out of their bed and roam around the room, that they're going to be safe if you're not there. And then of course, some families do the opposite and want to keep their baby in the crib as long as possible because they kind of want to contain them. Um, And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I get that if you don't want the, you know, the kid getting out. Um, But for other families, 
depending again on the temperament of their child, it's not really an issue because some kids, when you transition them to a toddler bed, they actually stay in the bed. They don't get out and they will just call for a caregiver. That was my own experience with my own four-year-old. Well, she's four now, but she wasn't four when we transitioned, but that was our own experience that she stayed in the bed and just called to us if she needed us. So really it's about parents kind of tapping into their own instincts and knowing their child best and knowing when it's going to be right for their family situation. And then of course, making sure that the space is safe. Right. Okay. Makes perfect sense. How can parents ensure that their family is ready for the transition from crib to bed? So it's really a three pronged approach. So you want to make sure, first of all, that you are ready as a parent. Do you feel that physically, mentally, and emotionally, you're ready to make a change? Because it's going to require some investment from you. It's going to require some consistency from you. You're going to need to support your child through the change. And if you're tapped out or it's not a great time or you're not feeling well, it's just not a good time. And the other thing to consider is, are you making this change because you want to and you think it's the right time for your family? Or are you making it because somebody else is pressuring you? And that's a big thing for parents right now. We tend to listen much too much to the noise around us, the opinions of others. So I definitely recommend making sure that you feel ready. So that would be tip number one. Tip number two is making sure that your child is ready. And again, you're going to know best. So can your child handle this change emotionally? What does it mean? Is the child going from, say, a crib in the parental bedroom to their own room? And that's a big change. And are they ready for that emotionally? Or is it maybe a smaller change? Maybe they're already in their room and they're just changing bed. So really, it's for you to decide, is your child ready? And also, are they at a time when they're easygoing? If they are going through a sleep regression, teething, or any kind of illness, it's not going to be a good time. They're just going to be much more needy than a typical time. So try and find those times when your baby is or toddler is more easygoing. And then are they old enough to understand the change that you want to make? They don't have to be, but that would make it easier. And so that can be one of the factors that you can consider when looking at, is your child ready? So that would be tip number two. Number three is, does the environment support the change? You really want to ensure that you have a space that's going to be conducive to this change. Do you have a space in your home where your child can sleep in this new bed that you want them to sleep in? Is it close to where you sleep so that you can monitor them? You don't probably want them on a different floor of a home, for example, and what type of bed will be the best choice. So there are actually quite a few options out there. A crib day bed transition, some families will do so they'll actually take the one side off the crib and transition the crib into that sort of half day bed, or a toddler bed, which would be a new bed. And some of them, you know, are themed beds like a race car, or <laughs> all these fun little themed beds. Uh, and a toddler bed tends to be a single-sized bed. The other option would be a bed that is a standard, either a single or double bed, either raised on a frame or on the floor. Now, if you're doing a raised bed, you would typically want to consider maybe having some barriers on the side, or if you're doing a floor bed, that wouldn't be necessary because the mattress would be right on the floor. So you really want to look at the environment and see if the environment is ready. Because ideally, you would get the environment ready before you make the change so that you're not kind of scrambling. You'd want to make sure that you have your bed already, that you've decided where it's going to be, that you can be nearby, and that the environment is ready to support you as you make the change. 
Great. I think the environment is very easy to understand, but why do I have to make sure that my child is ready or why do I have to make sure that I'm ready? What is sort of perhaps just a repercussion of doing things like this? So people are really aware of, of the importance of this. Yeah. So certainly if you are not ready as a parent or you don't believe in the change yourself, it's really something that somebody else thinks is right for you. It's going to be really hard for you to follow through at all. You just may not be wholeheartedly into it and you may not be successful for that reason. Your child may prefer to go back to their previous sleeping arrangement and you just may as well. And of course, if your child is not ready emotionally or if they're ill it's going to be a lot more difficult. There could be a lot more emotion associated with the change. They could be a lot more resistant, a lot more upset about the change. So having them be ready is really important as well. Right. That makes perfect sense. And also, I would imagine that if you're not ready or your child's not ready, and then all of a sudden you, you tried to make the change, but now you're realizing, geez, it wasn't the right time, and then you're changing back, and then eventually you're going to have to change back again. It could be just, it's extra things to have to do and it could be stressful for your child and even for yourself okay i think the stress on the parent is a big factor Mm -hmm. it's going to be more smooth if you're feeling ready and confident and not stressed about it right right okay what steps should parents take in advance to prepare for this transition you want to begin talking about the change before you make it so it's not sort of like okay we're ready let's buy the bed and tonight boom you're in it that's probably not going to work out very smoothly. So I recommend talking about the change. And ideally, your child will be verbal and will be able to understand what you want to do with them. Mm. So you'd have conversations around the change, tell them what will be different, and also really emphasize what will be the same. And that will help reassure them. You know, things like, you know, I will still come and see you if you need me, or we will still do the same bedtime routine and we'll still have cuddles before bed. Whatever those things are that makes your child feel safe about sleep, you really want to emphasize those things. And you want to have these conversations several days or even weeks in advance and really remain positive about it. And if they have any concerns or fears, you don't want to sort of gloss over those it's better to talk about them and address them and take the time in the days leading up so that the child knows for example if they have a particular fear they know how you're going to help them and how you're going to support them with that would you say that you you need to be prepared for perhaps multiple conversations it's not necessarily going to be like a one-time sit down yeah and parents know their child best and know that if For example, they have a more sensitive child, they might want to start a couple of weeks in advance because they know that they might have to have more of those conversations. Mm -hmm. And one strategy that I really love is role playing. And Mm -hmm. so to actually have the child and a parent role play what will happen at bedtime when we're in the new kid Mm -hmm. bed is really fun and Mm -hmm. reassuring for them. And so you can have the child play themselves And then you can play the parent, but you can also switch roles. And Mm. that's really fun too. So then the child takes on the role of the parent Mm. and shows perhaps what they would like their parent to do when they're making this transition. So that maybe can be enlightening as well for the parent. Cool. That's a great idea. What a great idea. I like that so much. There's a couple of examples here of things you might 
use as prompting questions to sort of discuss with your child or to say, you know, to keep up that enthusiasm. So you have more space and you get to sleep in your new bed soon. And, and of course, if there are concerns, if you feel lonely, you know, we'll be there or you'll have your little lovey, your little bear or that type of thing. Um, as you're having those discussions, you can also read some books. So here are just a few examples of books that are available on the market. I'm not affiliated with these authors at all. These are just a few examples. Cool. Uh, so you could purchase or borrow a, a book about a transition to a big kid vet. But one that takes maybe a little bit more effort, but is really fun, is to create your own big kid bed book. And cool. so this is actually a picture of my daughter when she was 22 months is when we transitioned her. And so what we did is we printed off clip art, but you could even print out pictures of your own home and of your child mm -hmm. and have them create their own book by cutting and pasting and then really sort of narrating this change from what perhaps their sleeping arrangement looked like before to what it's going to look like now. Nice, nice. So good. Let's talk about what parents can do during the transition to, to help make it smoother. For many families, this means playing in the new bed. So you mm. set up the new bed, the crib, or if you were bed sharing, you know, that's going by the wayside, you're getting the new sleep area set up. And so you want to play or read or have wonderful connection times in and around that sleeping area. And you can also personalize it. So some families will decide to get maybe a new comforter that's in the theme that the child likes or put stickers on the bedpost or whatever it is that personalizes it and makes the child feel excited. If they're moving to an entirely new room, you could really do the whole room. So that's a fun way to get excited about it. And then tip number eight is also during the transition, you are introducing a lovey hmm. or some sort of stuffed toy if they don't already have one. If they already have one, fantastic. You can use that as a tool as you're making this transition. But if they don't, you can introduce one at this point. It's just a stuffed animal or a friend that they can bring with them into bed if they're feeling lonely. And we as humans, Biologically, we are wired to be with others, and particularly our babies are wired to be near us for protection. Mm -hmm. If you think about the hunter-gatherer times, sleep is a very vulnerable state and time, and so naturally, our kids sometimes resist being alone. And so the lovey can be a really helpful tool because they're not in danger. We're not out sleeping in a cave. So of course. I like to re you know, reassure them that, that they are okay if they are sleeping alone in this way. If you haven't already introduced the lovey and they don't already have that relationship with it, you can include it in cuddle times, in story times before bed so that it takes on your scent and also becomes associated with those warm and comforting times, feeling happy, feeling peaceful. And then when you tuck your child in, in their new bed, you can use that lovey as a tool. Perfect. Very good. As you are making the change, so this would be tip number nine, is to use emotional connection. We sometimes have resistance, sometimes not. You know, we've talked a fair bit about resistance, but some kids, if they're really ready and you do the excited thing and you get the comforter that they like and they have the lovey and all that, it's really smooth and they're really excited. So I don't also want parents to think they need to necessarily prepare for resistance um, because it doesn't always go that way. Sure. But if, you know, 
there is a little bit of resistance. Emotional connection can be super helpful. And even if your child feels great about it, emotional connection is still really helpful. There's just some strategies that you can use to help your child feel connected to you when they're apart from you. Okay, so we talk about the idea of teaching our kids to hold on to us. And that doesn't mean physically because we're not there, but holding on emotionally to us when we're apart and, and that they feel that we are holding on to them emotionally as well when mm. we are apart. So somebody that I love for her strategies on emotional connection is Dr. Deborah McNamara. And she has really practical strategies that can help you with this. And, and you can make up your own as well. So I'm going to show you one of her infographics. And it's called When Saying Goodnight is Hard. And this doesn't only apply to transition to a bed. It really applies to bedtime in general. But she gives 20 ways to bridge that distance with children so that we feel connected. And one of the things that she talks about with this infographic is that if separation is the problem, if our children are resisting being separated from us, then connection is always the cure, extra connection. Sometimes our society would have us believe that pushing children away more to be more independent, pressuring them into being an independent or sort of putting them in situations where they're forced to be independent. Sometimes our society would have us believe that that's going to be effective and it often makes them more resistant. So I really like some of these strategies because it allows us to use connection as a cure to that resistance of separation. And we've got to remember that our children aren't resisting the bed. They're not, they don't really care that there's a new bed. So if there's resistance, they're not resisting the bed. They're resisting either the change or the separation from you. So this really is the cure. So here are some of the emotional connection strategies uh, that Dr. Deborah McNamara recommends. So for example, any clothing item that smells like you or spraying something in the room that smells like you, anything with your voice, a recording of a lullaby or a recording of a story with your voice, you can leave a love note under their pillow or have a picture of the family in the room. You could talk about, when we talked about talking about the change in advance, you could actually talk about how there are invisible strings that connect you. There's even a book called The Invisible String, which is really great for talking about that emotional connection. Uh, you could make up a story and tell them that you'll continue it the next day so they have something to look forward to. Fill their pillow with hugs and kisses so when you're doing a bedtime routine, you talk about how you're just really filling that pillow with hugs and kisses. And so if they feel those moments of loneliness at night, they may not come running to you right away because they'll feel that connection with the kisses that you've left in their pillow. Tell them to listen for your sounds in the house so that they really know that even if you're not right beside them, you are there and they can listen for you and be reassured that you're nearby, you know, leaving a book under the pillow, having a special container for some of their wishes. So many great ideas here. That's cool. One of my favorites on this last slide is visit them every five to 10 minutes and give them a paper heart that symbolizes your love for them. But you don't actually do that. What you do is you get them to fall asleep and then you put a bunch of paper hearts in the jar. And in the morning, they're feeling really reassured that you continue to visit them throughout mm, the day. That's so a great idea. Yeah, just this idea that you have a really sweet, warm connection, as opposed to saying, nope, you're sleeping in your bed by yourself. Now I'm closing the door and deal with it. Mm. It doesn't always work well for a lot of kids. And so this can be really reassuring to use some of these strategies. 
Um, great, great tips there for us. And uh, I hope some of us use some of these because this is gold. <laughs> uh, since there is more freedom with a big kid bed, what should parents do if their child leaves the bed? For many parents, this is the thing that they worry about, right? They're like, well, I don't know if we're ready to go to the big kid bed yet because what if they leave? So instead of kind of beating around the bush, prepare for that. What if they leave? What if they leave the bed? What are you going to do? There's no hard and fast rules. How would you like to respond? How would your child like you to respond? If you think about it in advance, it will alleviate some of the stress and avoid the spur of the moment decisions that you might make when you're tired or frustrated and then maybe regret later. Maybe if your child leaves their room, you might just discuss with them, like be okay with them coming out. You might be in the living room or you might be in your room by that time and really just reassure them, have discussions about, you know, any fears that they're having. Um, and then also decide what are you going to do if they wake up in the night and they come to see you? Here are a list of some of these approaches. So if they come to see you, you know, then you could either take them back to their bed and reassure them there. Or you could say, okay, like you started the night in your bed and I'm okay if you stay in my room now because we're recognizing that this is a transition and maybe it'll take a little bit of time. So you might want to have a small floor bed, maybe their old crib bed. That works really well. It's just a small mattress. You put it right on the floor and let them come and sleep there. Or maybe you're okay with them hopping into bed with you. You either walk them back to their room on their own and sort of comfort them and then let them fall asleep on their own. Or maybe you walk them back there and you stay with them until they fall asleep. So I think it's really important to just recognize that all of these options are okay. Sometimes we're made to feel that we're a sleep crutch or we're not helping our kids to be independent. And really all of these approaches help our kids feel reassured about the change that we're making. And so what is going to be best for them? What is going to be best for you? That's really up to your family to decide, but it could be any combination of taking them back to their room and supporting them or supporting them if they come to you and you're okay with them staying with you because they will eventually sleep longer and longer stretches in their own bed if they know that somebody's going to support them when they have a need. Makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Let me ask this then. Do these strategies work for children who are currently bed sharing with their parents? They do. Yeah, of course. So Really, this is about the next step in solo sleep, if that's what the parents or the family desires. And so if a child is bed sharing and the family wants to move on to having the child in their own bed, all of these strategies work exactly the same way. You're still going to make sure that everybody's ready. You're still going to have the discussions in advance and maybe read or make a book. And then you're going to you know, introduce a lovey and use emotional connection and decide what you're going to do if they wake up and need you in the night. So it's really the same process, even if a family is bed sharing and is moving to a big kid bed, or if they're going from crib to big kid bed. Okay, great. Let me ask if you were to leave us with one word of wisdom, what would that be, Julia? So if it doesn't work, do you want to just refrain from forcing them to use their bed? Because if they're not ready, or you're not ready, or something doesn't work, and you just try and force it, you know, you're trying to put that square peg in the round hole, it's going to make it harder in the future if you if you need to try again. So really, my advice would be to stop and try again later. It could be in a few days or weeks or months when everybody's more ready. Sometimes, you know, they're going through something, just a little illness or whatever, and you try again later and it works night and day better. Hmm. It can be a really positive change if they're ready. 
So really trust your instincts. Like I said earlier in the webinar, there, there is a lot of noise out there and there are a lot of opinions and there's a lot of advice. And most people are very well-meaning. They want to share with you what they did for their children and what worked for them, or they're trying to give advice to help your family to make it easier for you. But that's not always the case. It doesn't always make it easier for us. So really, ideally, trust your instincts, know your child, know when is the right time and what is the right approach. If you have that nagging feeling that, hmm, this just isn't the right fit for us, this particular approach or doing things a certain way, or my child won't respond to that, Really, I encourage parents to tap into that instinct, trust it, and go with it. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Julia, for all this information. Valuable, valuable tips. Thank you for joining this Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center workshop. Visit www.inventivekidswithaz.com to learn more about the many other workshops available coming up soon. And you can connect with Inventive Minds via email at inventivekidswithaz at gmail.com for any parenting challenges so their professional team can connect with you. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you all again. Thank you for everybody. Bye everybody. Make sure to check out inventivekids.com slash events as well as other parenting workshops, courses, and events. Thank you.